Hello and welcome to the Lancet Haematology in Conversation with. It's March 2024 and I'm Emma Cookson. This month I'm delighted to be joined by Sabine Bratt and Catherine Fielding from the Walter and Eliza Hall Institute of Medical Research in Australia, whose study presenting new haemoglobin thresholds to define anemia is published in our issue this month. Dr Bratt and Dr Fielding, thank you very much for joining me today. At first, can you start by giving us some background information about the current WHO haemoglobin thresholds for anemia, including when and how these were established? Yeah, well, with pleasure. Thank you. Um, well, detection of anemia is critical for clinical medicine and public health. And anemia is the condition of low haemoglobin, and this is operationally identified when the haemoglobin threshold falls below a defined threshold, which are distinct for different ages and sex. So the most commonly ordered blood test is a full blood count, which includes hemoglobin. So the threshold at which anemia is diagnosed is, is very important. However, it's known that laboratory reference ranges for hemoglobin can vary between countries and even within countries and also cities within, between laboratories. So diagnosing anemia in a clinical setting is critical for treating patients and detecting a range of diseases that may underline this condition. And in public health, valid definitions of anemia guide population interventions, and they track progress towards global world health organization targets. So interventions such as iron supplementation that may reduce anemia are recommended for many low-income countries uh, with implementation decisions based on anemia prevalence. So the WHO thresholds inform anemia assessment across many, many different settings. Now, the existing WHO anemia uh, hemoglobin thresholds to define anemia, they are statistical thresholds reflecting the reference limit for the distribution of hemoglobin concentration in apparently healthy populations. And they were set over 50 years ago and have uh, remained essentially unchanged since. But at the time, the thresholds were defined using five small studies, which were limited in terms of their geographic location, their design, their sample size, and without any consistent laboratory evaluation of iron stores and information or other important biomarkers. So these studies included minimal data for women and did not include children or infants in addition. So since then, the WHO commissioned a review in 2019, and they summarized the results from 60 studies which were conducted globally between 1975 and 2018. And in that study, they noted markedly heterogeneous results. So the current WHO hemoglobin thresholds that define anemia, they usually vary between men and women. And um, although the difference between men and women has been challenged, the thresholds vary across childhood and also during pregnancy. And in order to revise the current guideline, the WHO has recognized the need for further evidence for hemoglobin thresholds to define anemia, including the influence of genetic factors. And we are study we hope to contribute to this evidence base. That's great. Thank you. So can you explain um, what the methods were in your study uh, for recalculating these thresholds? Yeah, definitely. So to start with, I just wanted to clarify that the work we're discussing today is not the updated WHO guidelines. Um, and that essentially over the last five years, the WHO has run a series of technical meetings alongside a globally representative guideline development group to review the threshold. My understanding is those will be released soon, uh, and we're looking forward to hearing the final outcome. For our study, in terms of diagnostic thresholds, um, there are two main approaches, statistical and functional thresholds for um, anemia diagnosis. This is where statistical thresholds would describe the fifth centile of haemoglobin in a healthy population, 
and a functional threshold might define the point at which symptoms can be identified due to the anemia. Anemia has historically been defined on a statistical threshold, and we know this is important, as mild anemia, even in those without symptoms, can be an important diagnostic trigger to identify for things like hematinic deficiencies or uh, set in pathway further investigations for things like endoscopy and bowel cancer. So important to the methodology to define a statistical cutoff is to establish a sample of healthy individuals that will serve as a reference sample. We know that hemoglobin concentration is sensitive to many contributing factors, and anemia can be caused by iron and other nutrient deficiencies, by bleeding, by inflammation, and this includes infection, as well as recent medical or surgical illness, organ dysfunction, such as uh, liver or renal impairment, many medications, and common genetic conditions such as thalassemia traits. So a conservative criteria to establish a healthy reference population is crucial in um, establishing statistical thresholds. We started by identifying international data sources from uh, the United States, from England, Australia, the Netherlands, Bangladesh, Ecuador, Canada, and China by determining studies that had sufficient clinical and laboratory information. These, these surveys were run at various times between 1998 and 2020 and included national health and nutrition surveys, cohort studies, as well as one clinical trial. These data sources were identified because they contained enough information to establish a healthy reference population. And this included a venous hemoglobin measurement, which we felt was an important as a lot of population data is collected by capillary sample, um, which can lead to much more heterogeneous results. Uh, each participant had to have a ferritin and a CRP result, and at least some clinical data. We took these studies and then developed exclusion criteria, and these were applied based on biochemistry, um, so that included ferritin for iron deficiency and CRP for inflammation. Um, we used other biochemistry results where those were available, including um, assessments of renal function and clinical data. So a strength of this assessment was the capacity to identify and exclude those with clinical illness or pre-existing medical conditions or on medication. And as you can imagine, these studies were for varied purposes and offered heterogeneous criteria upon which we could build exclusion criteria. Some studies had more detailed biochemistry results, some had more detailed clinical history. But within each study, we identified a set of inclusion, exclusion criteria that were best able to defi define a healthy population. Well, then using those data sets, uh, we obviously want to estimate the statistical threshold, which is a lower fifth percentile. And this was obtained from the distribution of hemoglobin values among the healthy reference sample. And this is actually very similar to methodology that is used to establish reference ranges by laboratories. So we estimated that fifth percentile based on conventionally applied age groups, consisting of children between the ages of 6 and 23 months, 24 and 59 months, five and 11 years, adolescents between the ages of 12 and 17 years, and non-pregnant adults between the ages of 18 and 65 years, and finally also pregnancy by trimester. In addition, we provided an assessment of so-called continuous thresholds, whereby the fifth percentile varies as a function of the age and sex where it is applicable. And finally, we also collected findings from three large-scale genetic studies to summarize genetic variants, hoping to examine whether different ancestries exhibit non-clinically relevant high-frequency genetic variations that could impact hemoglobin concentration. Okay, great. Um, and can you 
tell us a little bit about what the thresholds are from your study um, and how they might differ from the uh, WHO thresholds. Yes, so um, first of all, our analysis aims to contribute to the existing evidence base on statistical thresholds for anemia in clinical medicine and public health. So this earlier work, or a version of this earlier work, was presented to the WHO alongside other scientific evidence that is available globally on the topic of statistical thresholds for anemia to support the work uh, for the WHO Guideline Development Committee. Now, the estimates that we present uh, are based on data from eight data sources comprising 18 individual data sets. And after applying uh, our rigorous exclusion criteria that were just mentioned, the resulting apparently healthy reference sample was about 15 to 40% of the original study size. And as a result of this process, insufficient data was available for children under the age of six months and individuals of 65 years and over. Our results highlight uh, the increase in hemoglobin concentration and does also in the thresholds for anemia across childhood and especially in early life. So analysis suggested that the existing single 5 to 59 month age group category, which is currently in the WHO guideline, may be too broad. So we divided this population into two smaller subcategories, uh, one of 6 to 23 months and one of 29 to 59 months of age. In the 6 to 23 uh, month old children, we obtained an estimate of 105 grams per liter, which is five units lower than the current WHO thresholds of 110 grams per liter. The fifth percentile was similar to the WHO threshold for the 24 to 59 month old children, namely 110 grams per liter, and also for the 5 to 11 year old children, namely 115 grams per liter. We observed that the definitions of anemia in male and female children can be combined until 12 years of age. And after that, hemoglobin thresholds between sex diverge specifically in males. In adolescents, 12 and 70 year old males and females, we observed thresholds of 128 for males and 122 for females. And for adults, we found that statistical cutoffs for anemia differ between adult women and men, in particular higher for the men. The estimate was 120 grams per liter in non-pregnant females, which is the same as the current WHO threshold, and 135 grams per liter for males, which is five grams per liter higher than the current 130 hemoglobin cutoff. Finally, in the first trimester of pregnancy, the fifth percentile was identical to that of the WHO guideline, namely 110 grams per liter. And all of the above findings were robust to variations in criteria for iron deficiency and inflammation, and also to various statistical methods. Um, and so in terms of our genetic analysis, we did not identify uh, ancestry-specific high prevalence of genetic variants that influence hemoglobin, um, apart from some that are clinically relevant. So using the genome-wide association study, we found evidence for heterogeneity of both common and rare genetic effects in hemoglobin across different ancestries, uh, including identifying um, variants in alpha and beta hemoglobin genes. But these variants are clinically important, must be detectable by a diagnosis of anemia, noting that this is important in various screening programs, including prenatal screening. We also examined rare variants in genes that are recognised to be clinically relevant causes of inherited anemia and found these to vary in frequency across populations. There was some evidence there may be a higher burden of rare variants with large effects in some ancestral populations, but clinically relevant 
rare variants cumulatively occur at a lot at low frequencies and so are unlikely to influence the overall population hemoglobin distribution. Ultimately, these results did not support the adoption of lower hemoglobin thresholds in populations for individuals of different ancestries, and this is aligned with many other proposals in the field, many recent proposals in the field. Great. Thank you for that really comprehensive summary. So the next question might be a bit tricky to answer, I guess, but it's about the um, different thresholds between adult men and non-pregnant women and how actually these have widened, widened a little bit in your study. And I think, Sabine, you mentioned that some in the field have called for um, not having sex-specific thresholds. I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about that in relation to your study, as well as the current and updated WHO thresholds. Yeah, so so we think this is a really important discussion. And there's clearly a discrepant burden of iron deficiency and iron deficiency anemia between men and women, and addressing this is important for health equity. This is part of why it was so critical to us that ferritin data be required for inclusion of a data set in this study. Using ferritin thresholds as recommended by the WHO ferritin interpretation, our data reflected different fifth centiles between men and women, and so did not support proposals that statistical thresholds to define anemia should be similar between adult men and women. Importantly, we also undertook additional sensitivity analyses examining varied ferritin thresholds, so essentially different levels to define iron deficiency based on ferritin cutoffs, increasing from 15 micrograms per litre to 30, 45 and 100 micrograms per litre. Hemoglobin thresholds were comparable, although noting that by analysis of the group with the ferritin cutoff of 100 micrograms per litre, the sample size was small. And ultimately, the limitation of using population data for these more exploratory analyses, but reassuring that it was robust. Uh, in terms of reasons for this, there have been um, discussions in the literature about things like testosterone levels being higher in men than women and evidence that this can drive um, higher hemoglobin concentration. Um, but I do think this is one of these points where future prospective studies with careful consideration of iron status, hormone levels and menstrual blood loss and potentially even correction of iron status and subsequent review of hemoglobin levels are essential to understand the separation of hemoglobin thresholds by effect. Very interesting. Thank you. Um, so next, can you describe uh, what the practical implications for these changes are for different global populations? Yeah, sure. Um, so our analysis adds to the evidence base that may inform hemoglobin thresholds to define anemia worldwide, both for clinical use and in global health via guidelines such as a WHO guideline. And in our specific data, we observed that statistical thresholds aren't too far away from the current WHO thresholds, with two exceptions. The first one was a distinction between the 6 to 23-month-old and the 24 to 59-month-old children, with a lower percentile in the younger age group. And the second one was in the 18 to 65-year-old adult males, where the percentile was observed to be higher, which adding ev ev evidence to the distinction between men and women. And importantly, Genetics implied no evidence to support different thresholds by ancestry, suggesting that the hemoglobin thresholds should not be adjusted for individuals of different ancestry. So by providing these findings, we hope that the results of our analysis will provide further support when harmonizing the hemoglobin cutoffs to define anemia by laboratories that use this in a clinical setting and by policymakers such as WHO in a global health setting to ultimately better inform and improve subsequent patient care. Great. And, and kind of related to that, um, finally, can you talk about what future research is now needed in the field? 
Yeah, thank you. There are there are many really important directions for this evidence base to move forward. So in terms of the the goal here being globally representative data, an important and unmet need is for more detailed descriptive data, um, especially from African population. Other age and demographic groups also would benefit from further assessment. Uh, in our study, some of these groups didn't result in a sample size large enough to estimate a threshold at all, and that included uh, children aged less than six months, some pregnancy groups, and people older than 65 years of age. Some of the limitation here was due to um, data sets containing a la- uh, insufficient clinical data, uh, and some of it was the role of applying the stringent health criteria uh, to data collected um, not for this purpose. And so uh, prospective studies with carefully defined anemia-specific inclusion criteria are needed. And finally, there's interest in better data assessing functional hemoglobin thresholds, for example, using clinical decision limits or assessment of severity. So these could be defined from both healthy and non-healthy individuals, assessing hemoglobin levels related to clinical outcomes of anemia. That's great. Thank you. Um, And thank you so much uh, for joining me today to talk about your paper. Great. You're welcome. Thank you. You can read this paper online now at thelancethematology.com. Thank you to Sabine Bratt and Catherine Fielding, and thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to the Lancet Hematology In Conversation With wherever you usually get your podcasts.